Amen. Well, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, it's good to be back. I appreciate Matt uh, leading last Sunday uh, from Philippians. Um, church member and I were on the other side of the world uh, doing a little reconnaissance mission um, at the crossroads of Europe and Asia uh, called Central Asia, and uh, we won't say where they are for our folks' kind of security reasons, particularly since we're streaming this, uh, but we had a great visit uh, in a country uh, that only has about 20,000 Christians uh, in the co- entire country, and to give you some perspective, uh, their largest city has about 25 million people. So just their largest city has that many, and so there's only about 20,000 Christians in the whole uh, country, and so we want to Pray uh, for the work over there, uh, and you may have an opportunity uh, in the months ahead uh, to go over there and minister alongside them uh, and help reach folks. And so uh, this month, December, is our month that we kind of promote international missions uh, through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So if you're new to Baptist life, uh, we pool all of our money together across the 50 or so thousand churches uh, here in America. We pool all of our money, and that helps support uh, missionaries all over the world. And it's named after a lady uh, who was a missionary in China uh, in the 1800s. And so uh, her name is Lottie Moon, so it's the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so this month, as you feel led, I want to invite you to participate in that. You can go online, and you'll see it one of the drop-down boxes, uh, or if you give here in person, uh, you can just put Lottie Moon or, or missions or something close to that, and we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. But I, I'm looking forward to the day. Uh, we're wrapping up the book of Philippians uh, next week. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to look at the beginning of chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there uh, to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at the first nine verses. Uh, as Paul is wrapping up this letter, um, he, he's going to cram a lot of detail, a lot of information, a lot of encouragement into a short amount of space, which is kind of how we do it. Uh, if you've ever been in a situation where there's a timer um, and you haven't quite made it through everything you want to say and you see the timer getting down to like a minute or the teacher or the person puts up a yellow card or a five-minute warning or whatever, then you somehow start talking faster and try to get everything in. Uh, And so that's what Paul's doing. He's trying to get these last few things in that he's actually said a bunch of times previously, but it's good to be reminded. And, And we need reminding all the time about how we should think and how we should live. So if you've got your Bible open, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche, and you can say those however you like, to agree in the Lord. I entreat them to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Because what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul, as he wraps up this letter, uh, he's giving a few final reminders and some final encouragements, and we might even say a few challenges, uh, a few admonitions. He's admonishing them in some ways. Um, he, he's excited about his relationship with his church. This is the church at Philippi. So these are people who have committed themselves to Jesus Christ. They've gathered together in the city of Philippi, and they're worshiping there. So he's writing to them some final bits of encouragement. So these are people who understand who Jesus is. And so he begins this final section with really words of affirmation. It's always good to be complimented. It's always good to, to have something, somebody say something nice about you. Uh, that, that always feel good, feels good. And that's what he does. He says that you are my joy and my crown. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure the last time you said to a friend or a special someone in your life, boy, you're my crown. Like, we don't talk like that. We don't say those things, uh, but, but he did. He said, you're my joy and my crown. This group of people brought him joy, so much so that he uses this word crown really as a, as a symbol of his eternal reward. He was so excited and, and so appreciative of his relationship with his church that he tells them that our relationship is going to be a part of my eternal reward. It's it's the imagery of the runner's wreath in the ancient games when they would run a marathon. The winner would receive a wreath that they would place on their head. That's the crown. But, but also in biblical language has uh, uh, the illusion of eternal reward. That because of our relationship, I'm going to experience even greater reward in heaven, in eternity, because of my relationship with you. Uh, that's a pretty good friendship, that's something we could all strive for, that, that I want to be the type of person that is the joy and crown for others. That's what he says about them, that he so loves them, so appreciates them, is so thrilled for them and their partnership in the gospel that he believes that part of his reward in heaven is due to them and their relationship. And so as you and I think about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as we think about other churches that, that we partner with, as you think about your own spiritual journey and the places you've been, think about those folks who have come alongside you because they should be part of your joy and crown. And prayerfully, you're a part of someone else's joy and crown as they look to their eternal reward with God. And so after he finishes giving them this word of encouragement, an affirmation, a, a thank you very much for your partnership, he turns to some practical matters, to an issue in the church uh, about these two ladies. Now, I'm not sure, but having your name in the Bible for a disagreement is probably not our biggest hope. You, you don't want to be listed anywhere as the person who was having an argument. You, you don't want that title. And these two poor ladies get that title. That Yodia and Syntyche had some kind of disagreement. But these ladies get a bad rap, I think, because 
Paul says something very important about them while he's saying, hey, work it out. He calls on this buddy, the true companion, uh, some translations say yoke fellow. It's the one who comes alongside to provide aid. This partner in ministry, he says, hey, will you come and, and help these ladies figure it out? Because they are co-laborers with me. That They labored side by side in the gospel. And so there are times in, in life, in, in church life, when we are working together in the Lord as the body of Christ, and we have some disagreements. You, you may not agree with someone that's sitting on the other side or in the first service or uh, one of our leaders, our, our Sunday school teachers or a ministry leader or one of our staff. And We might not have an agreement with you. We, we might be in disagreement. And so Paul calls on them to, to work it out because these are important women in the life of the church. They've labored side by side in the gospel. And so he doesn't want to take this lightly because he trusts them, he honors them, and he wants them to be reconciled. And so just a very simple challenge to us as you think about your relationships within the church. You and I need to agree in the Lord and work out our minor differences. That's what we need to do. It's pretty simple. If you have an issue with someone, go to them. And if the two of you can't work it out, then get somebody to help you. That's what Paul's talking about here. They haven't been able to work it out, so this true companion comes alongside to help them work it out. So agree in the Lord and, and work out your differences. And then once he gives them that little quick, like practical, very specific application, because remember, this is a letter. He's writing a letter to a group of people. So he knows what's going on in their life, just like if you were writing a letter to a friend. Let me rephrase that, sending a text or typing an email. Um, not, none of us write letters anymore, uh, hardly. Then, then if we knew of a situation, we'd say, hey, uh, get it together, work it out, make it happen. Don't forget about this. He addresses that, and then he goes and repeats the same thing that he said to the church six or seven times already in this short letter. Rejoice. Rejoice. Philippians 4.4 4 is the first verse that Brandy and I uh, kind of memorized together in our dating relationship. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He's reminding them again to, to rejoice because life is hard. Life is difficult. And sometimes it's hard to be happy. Like, but that's not what Paul is telling them. It's not be happy. Again, I say be happy. Because I'm happy when I'm at Torchy's and eating queso, like I'm happy, right? I, you would be, too, you should be too. But, but that's not rejoicing. Ha happy is about our circumstances, about the things that are going on around us. He, he wants us to rejoice, to, to take confidence in our relationship with God, that, that's what rejoicing is about. I, I have such confidence in my relationship with the Lord that my circumstance is of little consequence. That I can stand firm. That's how he begins the book with a, with a, uh, a command, stand firm. This, let not the book, the chapter. Stand firm. Rejoice. Those are imperatives, commands. Rejoice in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Be confident in the Lord. 
Don't let the pressures going on around you distract you. Because maybe the church at Philippi, as we've been reading, that they've been kind of getting it from all sides. They've obviously got some interpersonal dynamic going on here. They've got persecution from the culture. Is the culture ever against Christians in the first century? Sure. Is the culture ever against Christians in the 21st century? Yes. Maybe they've got some people in their church that still want them to follow the law. Those Judaizers, those ones that say you have to have Jesus plus the law to really be a true Christian. And so they're getting this kind of bombarded from all sides. He says, rejoice, take confidence. And I'm sure because of the next few sentences coming, there's some worries in the church. There's some anxiousness going on in the church. And so he's reminding them over and over and over again, rejoice, rejoice, take confidence in the Lord. That's really what rejoicing is about having that internal confidence in Jesus Christ that he is, going to, he is with you in every circumstance. And so sometimes you and I need to be reminded. We need to be reminded to rejoice. And Paul reminds the church eight times in a short letter. Eight times he reminds them, rejoice. Because it's easy to get caught up in our circumstances. It's easy to get distracted by things in life. We have to take confidence in the Lord. And that's where the rejoicing comes from. It's not rejoice in your friends. It's not rejoice in your church. Not rejoice in your family. It's rejoice, as he says, in the Lord. There's one source of our joy, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you and I, ha- you and I want to have joy, then we've got to kind of think the right way. And that's what he spends the rest of this little section on, is how we think. If we want to have joy, if we want to be a people of rejoicing, then we got to kind of think the right way. How we think matters. How we think matters. He, he says that you and I need to let our reasonableness be known. We need to, we need to think reasonably. Uh, I get to do weddings occasionally. Uh, when I was in young adult ministry, I did weddings a whole lot. Because, you know, young adults have a tendency to want to get married eventually. And then they realize, hey, what was I thinking? Uh, No, 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 that's not true. Um, How we think matters. And so there's a little, I give a premarital assessment. At the very end, there's a little personality dynamic. And and one of them is emotional steadiness. And I love that one. Because if you're low on the emotional steadiness, you love drama. Drama. It's true, like if you're low in emotional steadiness, you love drama, like your life is up and down. When things are great, they're wonderful, and it's awesome, and you're taking everyone along for the ride, and when they're down, you're dragging everybody with you. And Paul is writing here to say we need to be reasonable people that use reason. We use our mind to help us navigate circumstances, situations. And everyone needs to know that we're people of reason, not people of irrational thought. As a follower of Christ, we need to be persons who are reasonable, not irrational. We see a lot of irrational thought on social media. But we need to be people who are reasonable, that people, when they hear us speak, when we actually say what's on our mind, 
people are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So let's think reasonably. Let's be people of reason. And then he says, don't worry. That's a thought issue. Worry, anxious. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't get worked up on side. Like the, just you're tense inside. You, you can't sleep. I, I couldn't sleep last night. That was for a different reason. Nine hour time difference will do wonders for you. But don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. But rather, think about the Lord. He says, pray, pray, pray. When, when you and I are <coughs> anxious, when we're feeling irrational, we need to go to the Lord, call on him with an attitude of thanksgiving. And, and I love this phrase, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, but, but in everything, right? But in everything, that's the word I skipped, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So what are we supposed to pray about? Everything. What are we supposed to ask for on behalf of others? That's supplication. When we're, we're praying about other things for other people, things outside of our sphere, what are we supposed to do with those things? How often should we pray about those? All the time, everything, every little detail. And how often should we be thankful on November, like mid-November? Is that when we should be thankful? After great turkey and your team wins that day? No, like always be thankful. Oh, hey, what do you know? Look at that catch. <laughs> Cat-like reflexes with no sleep. So I warned the first service, like today you don't know what you're getting because uh, jet lag is real. Um, but, but in everything, in everything, let God know. He, he knows already but there's something unique about us going to our Heavenly Father when we're feeling out of sorts, when we're anxious, when we've got difficulty with someone in our, in our sphere of influence, when, when life seems to be kind of caving in. There, there's something important about that. There's also something important about going to our Heavenly Father when, when life is awesome, when things have never been better, when you have no idea how you made straight A's this nine weeks, like that's when we go to the Lord. When we get a promotion or a bonus or some blessing comes our way, that's when we also need to be thankful and pray. Because as he says all of this, there's a promise here. There's a promise in your prayer life and the promise is not that your prayer is going to be answered. That's not the promise he gives. The promise is that peace, peace will guard your heart and your mind. Peace that no one can understand, not even you. That no one can get. No one grasps it. But that kind of peace will guard your heart and your mind when you and I take all the things that we're thinking about, all the things that we're worried about, all the things that are troubling us, all the things that are amazing and cool and wonderful. When we take all of those things to the Lord, there's a peace that comes across us. Our heart and our mind are guarded, protected, protected by the Lord. And a calm comes over us. So that then we can continue to rejoice, to take confidence in him, to stand firm in the Lord. And to know that those struggles that we had, Jesus has them handled. And so how we think matters. How we think matters. But 
what we think about matters too. But what we think about matters. It's not just how we think, but it's what we think. And, and, and so he says there are some things that you and I should be thinking about. And he lists six things and then uh, gives two more kind of general uh, overview things. Like, hey, this is sort of everything that you should be thinking about. He says, think about things that are true. Think about things that are true. Because our thoughts lead to actions. Our actions lead to habits. Our habits lead to character development. And character often determines our our destiny, where we're going to end up on the finish line. And so how you think matters. So think about things that are true, not things that are false, not things that are wrong. And, And oftentimes we get caught up in life and we think about things that actually will never happen. We get worried and anxious about things that will never happen. Uh, research has shown over and over and over again that, that, that less than 10% of the things that we get the most worried about actually ever happen. Less than 10% of the things that we get the most worried about, the things that are just false, untrue, not going to happen. So think about the things that are true, that are real. Think about the things that are honest and honorable, worthy of respect. Is your thought life worthy of respect? Do you think about things that are honorable? There's memes going around all over. It's sort of past now a little bit that, that men always think about the Roman Empire. <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I got to experience some of the Roman Empire uh, last week uh, and kind of what they could accomplish amazing uh, with no modern technology. But, but do you think about things that are honorable, that are, that are worthy of respect? If someone said, hey, what are you thinking about? Could you say something besides, oh, nothing, just so you wouldn't have to tell them what you were really thinking? That, that's what Paul's getting at. Think about things that are honorable. What do we think about? Think about things that are just, that are just. Social justice is a big theme in our world today. But, but just, just is, is giving the right answer in the right, re, in the right way for the right reason. Giving the right answer in the right way for the right reason. Yesterday I was having a conversation with our middle son, and I gave him the right answer about something he's dealing with. And he's like, Dad, you don't have to get so mad about it. I said, I'm not mad. I'm just telling you what to do. He's like, well, there you go. So I gave him the right answer, but it wasn't really in the right way for him to receive it well. And we got it worked out, but, but that's sometimes our problem. We, we want to stand on the right answer but we don't actually live out justice because we don't deliver it in the right way for the right reason. And so think about just things, right things. And then those things that are pure and lovely, commendable, good. These are things that are moral and godly. They're beautiful. Do you think about beautiful things? Things that are worth talking about. Think about 
The conversations you have, are, are they beautiful conversations? Are they worthy of talking about? Would someone be excited to participate in that conversation with you and not feel like they're an outsider, outcast, or wait a second, I, I need to put my R filter on, my rated R filter. No, the, the, it's beautiful and gracious. The things that you think about and ultimately become the words and the habits you lead, do they motivate others to live better? to do better? Do you think about the right things? Do you fill your life with the things of God so that you can think about the right things? And how do we do that? Well, we, we fill our minds with the, with the word of God, the things of God. It's the reason we give families this month a little devotional so that you can fill your family's life with the word of God to be, to be trusted so that, so that you and your kids can be thinking about the right things as we move towards the celebration of the birth of our Savior. It's the reason we have groups on Sunday mornings and other days of the week so that you can connect with others and have conversation, discuss the right kinds of things, discuss the Word of God, let the Word of God soak into your life. So it's just not like, oh, I'm one and done on Sunday. No, that, that I, I can allow the things of God to, to seep in, to soak into my life so it'll change my thinking. So, I, so I'll think differently and therefore act differently. And so when the world comes at me, when difficulty comes my way, I now have a different thought life because God tells us that we should take every thought captive. Paul says that in another letter to a different church. Hey, take every thought captive. What we think about matters And so these six things about truth and honest and just and pure, lovely, commendable, things that are good, he wraps them up and he says, anything that's excellent or worthy of praise. That's a tough one. Think about your thought life that's become your spoken life. Is it worthy of praise? Would a stranger... Come, who came up to you, if he or she could somehow get into your brain, would they say, wow, you're a person worthy of praise? Whoo, makes me a little nervous because we're all imperfect. We, we all think about things that we shouldn't and, and we all think about things that are false, that are hopeless, that are negative, that are mean, that are not lovely and commendable. But Paul's giving a strong encouragement. Let's change our minds so that our action will change as well. So much so that he says, hey, okay, I've talked to you about what you're, how you're thinking, what you're thinking about. Now let's figure out how to live it out. He says, oh, by the way, just as a final encouragement, uh, practice living out the things that matter. So it's not just thinking the right way. But it's also living the right way. So practice living out the things that matter. And if you don't have a great example, then hey, follow me. Follow me. What you have learned and received and heard and seen to me, practice these things. So Paul says, hey, if you need an example, follow me. That's not arrogant. That's just reality. Paul, Paul knew he was further along in his Christian journey than these young Christians in Philippi. And so he says, hey, pay attention to how I'm living. So the question for you and me is, are we following anyone? 
who's a little more godly than we are, a little more mature in their faith than we are? Are we, are we getting close to them and learning from them and, and trying to engage them, trying to soak up what they have? And then are we helping anyone who's a little less mature than we are? Because we all have an opportunity to do that. He says, practice these things. So in a practice, that's why we join together. That's why we have different things where we want to join together. When you see someone at school or out in the neighborhood, we, we want to encourage one another, spur each other on. Because we want to practice what we say we believe. He says, what you've seen in me, do that. The encouragement is to follow great examples of godliness. And so what are you learning from God's word that you're actually living out? What's something that God has revealed to you in these last weeks? You say, you know what, I'm going to put that into practice. What person in your life is mature and so you're listening to their counsel and not some knucklehead at work or school? You're listening to godly counsel. Are you willing and open to receive godly encouragement? And when I say encouragement, I really mean challenge. Do you have someone in your life that can say, hey, I've noticed this. Maybe you ought to shift a little bit. And you don't get mad or angry at them. You, you receive that with humility. Because you want to live an honest life, a pure life, a life that honors Jesus. And so as we close today, I want to just ask you a few questions as you think about how you might respond to rejoicing always, how you might respond to thinking the right way, how you might respond to practicing living what Jesus calls us to. And so are you mad at a friend right now or a family member? Are you frustrated with them? Are you angry? Maybe today is a day for you to respond and say, Lord, Help me to be a person who agrees in the Lord and works out my differences. Maybe that's your response today. Are you anxious and worried about anything? There's a million things it could be. Let me remind you that God calls us to come to him. And so come to him. Come to him and say, Lord, I I'm worried about this, and I need you to bring the peace that passes all understanding. Do you think about honorable things? Is your thought life worthy of praise? If it's not, I invite you to come and ask God to transform your mind. He, he says he'll do it. The renewing of our mind so that we can worship appropriately. And that's what the scripture says. When our minds are renewed, we can worship appropriately. Is your life an example others can look to? Do people want to follow you because of your godliness, because of your purity, because of your trustworthiness? And so today maybe is a day to, to recommit to Jesus, to surrender to him and say, Lord, out of thanksgiving in my heart, I'm coming to you with these requests, with these issues in my own life, and with a strong desire to live a life, a thought life, and my visible life to others, a life that honors you, that's pure and holy. And I want to experience joy and peace 
that no one else can explain except to say it's Jesus. That's what my hope is for us today. Will you pray with me?